Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Let's get right into the Word of God, shall we? We're going to finish up our series today called Tough as Nails. Remember, next week is Sayonara Summer Sunday, which means Labor Day weekend. We are going to have our final one, one, uh, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. service online and in person. We're going to go back on the 13th. Two weeks from today, we'll be back to two services, and we're excited for all the things that are going on, uh, getting ready for children's ministry. We'll talk more about that as well. Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be in Luke chapter 5 and a little bit in 1 Samuel 1. I want to weave some things. This, this uh, message was inspired. Uh, I didn't steal a message, but I, 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 uh, I was inspired in some of these things by a great man of God named Pastor Samuel Rodriguez, and it really inspired me. And I just want to just preach to you a little bit today. Today's message is called Spiritual Boot Camp. You want to get tough? It's time for boot camp. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 from the, from the Passion Translation says this. So don't lose your bold, courageous faith, for you're destined for a great reward. In other words, cast not away your confidence, for you're destined for a great reward. You need the strength of endurance. Everybody say endurance. endurance. I love the way the Passion says this. Listen, you need the strength of endurance to reveal the poetry of God's will. Love that. And then you'll receive the promise in full. The Bible says we can be strong in the Lord and the power of his might or we can be mamby-pamby. Doesn't say that in the Bible. I don't think mamby-pamby's in there. Luke chapter 5, also from the Passion, verse 37. Jesus said, and who pours new wine into an old wineskin? If someone did, the old wineskin would burst and the new wine would be lost. New wine must always be poured into new wineskins. Yet you say the old ways are better and you refuse to even taste the new that I bring. Can I tell you something? God wants to do a new thing. He's about to do something to pour out new wine, but he's looking for new wineskins and that's not about age. My friend, that has nothing to do with age. It has to do with the way you carry the presence of God in your heart. Finally, in 1 Samuel chapter 1, the story of Elkanah and his two wives. His first wife was Hannah, who found it difficult to get pregnant. <clears throat> the second wife was named Pinheta, I mean Penina. And uh, in 1 Samuel 1, Pinina had children. She had a bunch. Hannah didn't, which was a cultural shame at the time. Thank God that stigma has been gone. Every year they would all travel to a place called Shiloh to go to the tabernacle of the Lord. Shiloh means a place of rest, a place of the presence of God where you find rest or shalom. Every year they would all travel to Shiloh to the rest, the place of rest, to worship and sacrifice. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, what you find is this Classic soap opera, soap opera kind of rivalry begin to form between Penina, whose name means jewel, and Hannah, whose name means grace and mercy. And the Bible says every year they would come, 
And every year it got worse and worse because Peninnah was a bully. Peninnah was so proud of the fact that she had an open womb that she wanted to tear down and destroy Hannah by putting it out there for her that she, that Peninnah said, I got what you want. And so we look at 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 from the message. <clears throat> it says, one year as they went, her rival taunted her cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children yet. This went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, every time she's on her way to church, she could expect to be taunted. Welcome to 2020 in pandemic world. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Let's pray together one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart that the spirit of prophetic wisdom and revelation would be upon us, that those of us whose hearts are open would actually begin to see some things we've never seen before so we can do some things we've never done before. And we trust you to do it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you know if you try all the time and you don't eat, you're going to have some problems? How can you be tough? How can you be bold? How can you be strong if you don't do the basic things you need to do to just stay happy? Last week we talked about blessings in disguise. This month we've been talking about resilience, tenacity, and perseverance. Sometimes blessings from God arrive, we said last week, arrive in packages we don't recognize, we don't appreciate, and we don't even open. There are diamonds all around you. There are riches and blessings untold. If you get your eyes off of money and lack and material things and put your eyes on the Lord, you're going to discover that you're rich already if you begin to see it that way. Now, we're talking about toughness this month. Nobody trains toughness like our military. Anybody here was, was in the military? How many of you were in the military? Raise your hand if you were in the military. Thank you so much for serving our country. We appreciate you. It may have been to police academy. I don't mean like the movies. I mean, <clears throat> I want to thank our police officers for your service. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot more great people in the military and in law enforcement than there are bad people. We need to make sure we stand with them and love on them and encourage and strengthen them. I don't know who, I don't know how many young people come out of high school or college right now would even want to choose that, which speaks about problems for our future. In the military, when the drill instructor takes raw recruits, mostly young people right out of high school and begin to shape them into a fighting force of strong and resilient soldiers. They, they know that they're saving their lives by stealing their resolve. They know that if I can toughen you up, it's not just to make you hard, it's to make you battle ready. It's to make you strong enough to overcome and overwhelm your opponent so that in the tough firefights, you will be the survivor and you will be the one to take care of your brother, your sister. I believe God is speaking to his church to get back to some of the basics of basic training too. When God's about to do a new thing, when he's about to pour out fresh oil or new wine, 
He also has to forge strength and grit into his army, his family, his body. There's a preparation and a testing regime, as in wineskins. Before bottles, there were wineskins. They were leather bags that had an inside that would, would hold the wine while it would ferment. It would expand. The fermenting wine, I'm told, expands and contracts. And so an old wineskin can't contain it, as the Bible said. New wine always speaks in Scripture of a fresh flow of the Holy Spirit. Not just God moving, but the fresh flow. That he moves in ways you haven't seen him move before. And I think as a church, we're hungry for that, aren't we? Aren't we thirsty for new wine? To be effectively utilized, you either need a brand new wineskin or a completely recycled one. Did you know recycling was God's idea? Before they gave you an extra trash can? God recycles. Aren't you glad? Because otherwise... We would get to the end of our effectiveness at a certain point in time in our hearts, not just our ages, and God would cast us aside, but he doesn't do that. He recycles those, the whosoever will. We know from the word of God that God's nature is never to waste anything. Jesus fed 5,000 and took up the leftovers and utilized them. Used wineskins that run out of wine that become empty become dry, become hard, become brittle. And yet I just talked about people in the same way. If you run out of wine, if you run out of the fresh flow of God in your life as a believer, as a Christ follower, you can become empty, you can become dry, you can become hard, you can become brittle. I don't have time to preach on the recycling process, but in order to make an old wineskin into a new wineskin, certain things have to happen. Number one, it is submerged in water until it's totally saturated. Anybody felt overwhelmed the last few months? Anybody been over your head a little bit? Become submerged in water until it's completely wet and saturated in every part. The great part of the recycling process is then it's bathed in oil. It's taken and it's soaked then. Same amount of water becomes the same amount of oil. And a wineskin gets in that oil and begins to be restored. And then the final step is it's massaged with oil. After the oil is, after it's in the oil, the oil's got to get in it. And so it's taken out. And, the, and the, the recycler, the person that's reworking that wineskin begins to massage oil into that wine bottle, that wineskin. Here's one of the other uh, bad news parts. Between every step in that three-step process, there's something called shelf time. Where that wineskin is sat upon the shelf and ignored left alone in a dark place and forgotten until it's ready and fully inspected that it's ready for the next step. I think a lot of people feel frustrated with shelf time right now. The end result is a virtually brand new wineskin, durable, pliable, 
long-lasting, ready for robust new wine. I mentioned a couple weeks ago on the Wednesday night online on our Facebook Live updates that when Jesus did his first miracle, he turned water into wine at a wedding. And when he did so, he told his mother when she asked him to do something, he said, it's not my time yet. Yet she didn't take no for an answer and said to him, said to the people around them, she didn't argue with them. He said, it's not my time yet. I'm not supposed to do anything. And she said to the servants of the party, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And Jesus turned and gave the order, fill these six water pots with water all the way to the overflow, all the way until they're drowned. The process of the wineskin being changed. And we all know what happened in the outpouring then by the presence of the master being there that water is turned miraculously into brand new wine. And it has the flavor to the point where they think it's the best bottles. And then I say, why did you save the best for now? I've always read that in the scripture as best for last. That's not what it says. God's new wine is always saved, not best for last, because that's later. That's always later. In the words of Buck's buddy, Roanrutter Hour, which week is this week? This week is next week, last week. And next week, never mind. So it never comes. Here's the thing. What happens is three people... It's a shame to be in a generation that doesn't know Bugs Bunny Roadrunner Hour. That was some of the best part of my growing up on Saturday mornings. Anyway, suffering succotash. Anyway, there's another... So here's the thing. <clears throat> so you get to this place where if you think the best is for last, then you're always going to be waiting for something that never happens. The scripture says, wow, you've saved the best for now. And now? And now? And now? Because when the new wine flows, my friends... It's always the best now. That's why you got to be a new wineskin. It's not about how great it was before. I tell you, in this church, we're believing for a fresh outpouring. Your pastors are seeking. We are hungry. We are thirsty. We are going after an awakening, a revival, a reformation. Some of the songs you've been hearing around here lately, whether written here or written other places, there's a freshness in the, in the spirit of these songs, in the, in, the, in the music of the songs, the musicality of the songs, in the lyrics of the songs. There's something fresh happening. And, and I'm telling you, it, it reminds me of, of things that God wants to do that we've never even taste, tasted before. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, not was the Lord. And there needs to be a heart shift back to the Lord for our nation. One of the greatest moves of the Holy Spirit I've ever experienced that gets me excited about what the future holds was the summer of 1989 before we began this church, the year before we began this church in 1990. We were youth pastors, junior high pastors, as a matter of fact, at a mega church in Orlando. And praise and worship for 
11 to 14 year old middle schoolers was, it was like pulling teeth, man. But it prepared me for what Ocala was when we first started. It was like pulling teeth to get young people to do anything but just stand there. And they always look at, you can, I can always tell, I, I was a youth speaker, I would go to schools and speak in, do motivational speaking in schools at the same time. And I learned to develop by, by the Holy Spirit kind of who the controllers were, who the influential young people were in the 11 to 14 year old age group. Because there was always one or two that the rest of the young people were looking at to see what they were doing. And we, so we started targeting in, in prayer, God get so-and-so. Get a hold of this one because if we get this one, if we can get this one to clap and really get into worship, we can get them to experience God and the whole group will come. We went from a handful, I think 30 or 40, which was a big, big youth group, but not for a church of 7,000. We started it from scratch. There was no junior high ministry at all. So we started it in the late 80s. By 1989, it felt like we were doing praise and worship with leather boots on. I mean, uh, lead boots on. Because you couldn't get anybody to move. It was just like, so we went to summer camp that year up at Lake Swan near Gainesville, east of Gainesville. Went to this Lake Swan youth camp. And here's the thing. I, I started just thinking about this recently because there was something about wearing those young people out. We, we, so we had activities planned. There was never a dull moment. We didn't have downtime. When we got up early in the morning, we went to breakfast. Then we started. We had contests. We had competitions. We had games. We had Bible studies. We had chapel services. We had everything. We had everything we could do. We kept them busy. But here's the thing. Away from the familiar, no friends or family, no TV, no sports, no distractions. We had great activities, contests and food, early morning till nightfall. Then, when everybody was exhausted, then we would take them into the chapel and just worship God like we try to do every Wednesday night for a couple years before that. And here we were. This time, they were too exhausted to fight God. And they were away from their controlling friends that pulled them the wrong way. And we, we didn't even have a praise and worship team. Our praise and worship team we had hired canceled. And so we used, back in the day of tapes, we used tapes. We had a tape called The Lord Reigns, and it was from Hawaii, praise and worship from Hawaii, Bob Fitz. And we sang these songs, the Lord reigns, the Lord reigns, let the earth be rejoiced, let the earth rejoice. And, we just would, and finally, we saw one kid, the, 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 the kind of influential kid, start to move. I said, there's life. <laughs> She's alive. Talitha Kumi, therefore I say to you, little girl, arise. And she started to clap. And next thing, they, were, they started to, they, they didn't dance, but they jumped. There was a day back in the 
charismatic days of the 80s where they did, I called it the Pentecostal bop because people were just kind of like this. And they, it was kind of good. It was like the T-Berry shuffle. They, that was the dancing in the church of the 80s, you know. Anybody around that? That was the only acceptable dancing because anything else was shaking your booty and they didn't want to do that. So. so all I'm telling you is that getting away from the familiar, getting away from the distractions and getting to a place where we could focus on God where we were so exhausted from everything else we'd done and we had a move of God that summer. I mean a move of God that you can't, you, you can't, Listen, 11-year-old and 12-year-old young people don't fake anything well. They don't, they don't fake. They, they, it's, it's either real or they're not doing it. To their credit, to their respect. 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old young people in the room, in the church, at home. Respect. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, can't, I respect you. You, 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 you know if it's real. You know if it's real. And you're not going to play the game. I respect that. I do. I'd rather have that than you pretend. But when God showed up in that place, in that zone free of all the distractions and disruptions, everybody moved. Everybody clapped. Everybody danced. Everybody shouted. Suddenly the book of Psalms came alive and the presence of God came down and the Holy Spirit moved. From the time we were trying to end on the schedule, we were trying to end the worship, the chapel service late at night and go to a bonfire. It was like, I feel caught on me talking about it. Every 10 steps, there was another kid laying on the ground that had been filled with the Holy Spirit without anybody touching him. And they would come and say, Pastor Richard, come over here. This girl's manifesting demons. And we went over and sure enough, and we cast demons out of a little girl. Kids were just crying, holding on to each other because they knew the real. They knew the presence of God, the power of God was real and they knew that the presence and power of God was for them. Miracles happened. Is it possible that the Lord has allowed a stripping away of all of our familiar earthly comforts in order that we might focus our hearts on Jesus again as a world, as a nation? In the story of Hannah, it's about a young and godly wife unable to conceive and fulfill her heart's desire of giving birth to her own offspring. She is unfruitful. She is feeling unfruitful and she is taunted because she's unfruitful. She is not multiplying. She's not fulfilling her destiny. She feels worthless and she feels afraid. Her desire becomes a source of pain and frustration as her husband married a second wife because she couldn't have any kids. That's the inference. The Bible says Hannah was the first wife and she couldn't have kids. So he had a second wife, Peninnah, who started popping out babies like popcorn and began to bully Hannah in the process. My friends, if you don't know how to deal with taunting and harassing demons right now, you better learn. You better get to boot camp. You better get toughened up, buttercup. You better get to the place where you understand that stuff we're dealing with right now is demonic. And if you can't deal with it in the spirit realm, there is no victory. 
Every year as they went to church, can you imagine on the way to church? Can I tell you the devil gets busy on the way to church? I'm not going to have a show of hands or anything. But I wonder how many people had an argument on the way to church last week. I'm not going to talk about this week. (laughs) Or after church, that penina, that jewel would taunt. And it was, the, the inference is it was a demonic spirit. This wasn't just a friendly rivalry. This was dynasty Linda Evans, Joan Collins, and now, now I just, now people don't, now you don't know that either. But anyway, <laughs> Hannah mercilessly heard, especially on the way to church every year, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You can't have babies? It's natural. The devil's a liar. And you need to learn to kick him in the teeth with the word. Because here's the truth about the recycling of wineskins. The Bible says we are washed by the water of the word. That we are soaked with the word. If you're not getting the word of God into your heart, into your memory, into your soul, you don't have anything to to get wet with to be recycled to become the new wineskin. The Bible says in verse 7 again, this went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. Hannah was reduced to tears and had no appetite. Constant sadness and crying plus no appetite equals depression. Peninnah represents the past and the present. She had reproduced and she had kids. She represented the things that were already that already were, that already existed. But Hannah, in this powerful place in the Word of God, is about the prophetic possibilities of the future. Yeah. Hannah had to get to the place of a faith breakthrough, trusting the living God. She took, she was depressed. She had self pity. She had self loathing. She probably hated her own body. She was frustrated because she wasn't fulfilling her destiny, and she knew it. And one particular year, her husband, Alcana, got very frustrated with her misery and said exactly the wrong thing. Anybody ever been there? He basically says to her, why are you crying all the time? Oh, guys. I've been married 40 years. Please learn. Please learn from my mistakes. You don't ask. Remember I told you the million dollar idea. Some of you guys, I know JD's about to get married soon. Here's the deal. She's crying. You don't say, what are you crying about or why are you crying again? You say, come here, baby. It's going to be all right. And you hold on. My wife taught me that after about five years of difficult marriage. Because I, w- I wouldn't grow up. When I finally learned it, I said, why did you tell me that from the beginning? I'm looking for the key. <laughs> she said, when I'm going through something, I don't need 10 solutions, 10 ideas to change it. I don't need you to fix it. I need you to step toward me and open your arms and welcome me in and hold me. God bless your marriages right now. I'm telling you, marriages have been under pressure. 
I've heard that divorce in California is up like 800% because they're still closed. He said this, doesn't my love make up for the fact you can't have any kids? I call this hoof and mouth disease. <clears throat> this time, when he says the wrong thing, here's what her response is. She ran into the house of God. Instead of crying and feeling sorry for herself, she ran into the house of God and she begins to pray in her sorrow, the Bible says. And this time she begins to pray in her sorrow. She begins to pray and tap into an intercession. She begins to have the Holy Spirit connect with her in prayer. In fact, as she prays, the Bible says that she was praying, but her, but her words made no sense. She was praying and her words made no sense. There was nothing coming out of her mouth. The Bible says Eli, the priest of the time, was standing there and she poured out her frustration and her struggle and she turned her struggle into powerful moments of intercession. And she prayed what we used to call praying through. She prayed through till she had a note of victory. She prayed through and then she did something else. She prayed through and she made a vow. She prayed through and she said, I've got the victory. I can see it in my heart. I'm going to have a kid. I'm going to have a son. And then she said, God, here's my promise. If you give me a boy, I'll give him back to you. Whatever you give me to carry and birth, I will give back to you. You want a breakthrough? You want to be a new wineskin? You want to have the new wine? You want to give prophetic birth? to what God wants to do. Let me tell you something. There's no mention of putting in his kids. There's no mention of their names and they sure aren't in Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. But Hannah's baby boy is. She had a boy named Samuel and she gave him back to God. He not only turned out to be a prophetic child, but he his boss was, listen, in the book of Judges, there was a governmental way that Israel was run for generations. Eli's not in the book of Judges, but he is the final judge. Samuel ushers in a day of prophets and kings. He ushers in a brand new anointing. He is the one who would go on to anoint David to be king. He's a pivotal, pivotal moment and transitional force in the spirit. At the moment that Eli saw her in the sanctuary, watched her mouth moving in gibberish, the Bible says he assumed she was drunk. Now, let me ask you a question. Where does that correlate in scripture? How about Acts chapter two? We're not drunk as you suppose, but this is that spoken of in the word of God, that God is pouring out his spirit upon sons and daughters. She said to Eli, I've been pouring my, out, my heart out to the Lord. I'm not drunk. I've been pouring my heart out to God in prayer. Can I tell you there are new levels in prayer? So excited we have an in-person prayer. Come back again this Wednesday night right here at 7 o'clock. And I'll be online with the people that still want to be at home at 7.30. But we're going to have prayer. We're going to pray. We're believing God. We're sensing God. We're looking for God. The old priest didn't have a lot of sense. He was a really old guy, Eli. But he finally realized God was moving through this dear lady and he gave his prophetic blessing. 
He said to her, in the place called Shiloh, peace, shalom. He said to her, okay, I see that you've been pouring your heart out to God. Go in shalom. Go in peace, prosperity, well-being, contentment, health, and wholeness, and may God give you your answer. May God give you your answer. She found that agreement with her authority, her spiritual authority, her pastor, if you will, at the time. <clears throat> and First Samuel 1.18 says, And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. And then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Did anything change? Did she, did she have Samuel? No. But she had the promise, and her insides knew it. You know, if you don't eat, you don't have strength. Fasting's okay for a season. Jesus said there's a time to fast, there's a time to eat, time to feast. When Hannah got that prophetic victory, when she prayed through, and then she made her vow, and then her pastor said, I see God answering you. Yes, I'm in agreement with you. Bam. The Bible says she went and she ate to give herself the strength she needed to conceive, and her face was no longer sad. I'm almost done. It's time to pray God prayers. It's time to pray dangerous prayers. It's time to pray big prayers. She prayed through till she had the note of victory that struck a chord in her spirit. The woman who had lost her appetite knew that she knew that she knew her answer was on the way because she prayed through. Nothing changed in the natural yet, but her joy was back and she was ready to eat. Remember the joy of the Lord, my friends, is your strength. The old wineskin had been soaked in the water of the word anointed and massaged with oil, and the new wineskin was ready for the new wine. We got Bible school coming up again in a few weeks. I think two weeks from today. If you're part of Now Crew, we want to invite you. If you're newer and have not been part of Now Crew, contact Pastor Chris anyway. We want to talk to you because God is about to move in signs and wonders and miracles in a brand new way. It's time to get ready for the Holy Spirit to move in those miracles. Hannah got ready for date night when she got home, the Bible says. They didn't call it date night back then. And poor old Hannah didn't know what hit him. The Bible says he knew his wife and she conceived. Not just a baby, Sammy baby. Samuel, <clears throat> the son of her womb, would be the one to usher in a brand new day for Israel. Samuel would appoint and anoint David and his kingdom shall reign forever and ever. Amen. The Bible says, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. My friends, it's time to pray through and it's time to eat again. It's time to pray through until you get the note of victory. It's time to trust God, to believe God. God's church is his bride. Maybe this past season has felt uncomfortable. Maybe you felt like you've been unfruitful, unproductive, perhaps even barren. May your tears be shaped into prophetic prayers. Building up ourselves again in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's time for Holy Ghost boot camp.
Holy Spirit basic training. May God fill his power, fill his church again. May God's power fill his church again. Fill us with the power to give birth to everything you want to do on the earth, God. Make us strong enough, tough enough, and bold enough. Help us, Father. Let's pray together. Father, we are desperate for more of you. We know that something good has to come from this time. We know that something powerful has to come through this moment. We know that when the world goes through situations like this, that there's a purpose and a reason that you're turning. What the enemy has meant for evil and for harm and for destruction, your word says you're turning for good and for grace and for power. Father, would you let us be a new wineskin? Would you transform us all individually and corporately as the body of Christ, as now church? Would you help us, Father, in the name of Jesus to turn away from our wicked ways, to repent from our sin, to find that place of surrender, and not just surrender, but celebration, a place where we open ourselves up to you, Father, and say, whatever you want to do, do it now. Whatever you want to say, say it through us. Help us not to be afraid of the price or the sacrifice because we know that according to your word that the new wine is better than the aged wine. We open ourselves up, Holy Spirit, and we ask you to draw all men unto yourself as we lift you up. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us. Make us tough and strong again while keeping our hearts soft and pliable. In the name of Jesus. Let me ask you a question with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, wherever you are, no one looking around. Are you just gonna be content to play religious head games in this next season? Because I tell you, I'm telling you, that's not going to fly. If you're going to play religious head games, if you're going to try to figure it all out with your brain, you're already a day late and a dollar short. If you're trying to figure out what is going on, if you're trying to scientifically approach all these things happening in the world at once, you're going to be in trouble. This is a moment to stop trusting your head or your own understanding but in all your ways to acknowledge him and let Jesus direct your path. I challenge you in this room, in the overflow, in your homes, in your hotel room, in your trailer, in your car. This is the moment to surrender to stand against every taunting spirit and overcome by giving birth in the spirit, by giving birth in prayer to the next thing God wants to do. It's time to surrender. It's time to quit playing games. It's time to open your heart. If you're in this place, whether you're at home, I'm going to count to three in just a moment, and here's what I'm asking you to do. Quit thinking. Quit trusting your brain about every little thing and analyzing every little thing and missing 
out on the big picture of what God wants to do. I'm going to count to three. When I do, I want you to raise your hand, whether you're at home, wherever you are, in the room, in the overflow, don't even think about it because God is leading some people. Here, you know what? Here's the deal. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand up. And, I, and, and, and I'm telling you, some, people, some of you are gonna raise your hand and you're wondering why I'm raising my hand. I, I thought I was okay. One, listen, God loves you, but he can only work through you to the degree you celebrate him, as I said earlier. Two, it's time to quit playing games and put one foot out there with all your friends that are naysaying and negative everything. It's time to put both feet on solid ground in God's kingdom, in his house, in his church, with all of your heart. Three, put your hands up and keep them up. Put them up and keep them up. Here's what I want you to do. If your hands are up, I want you to stand up right where you are. Stand up right where you are. <clears throat> stand up in the overflow. Stand up in your home. We haven't done that. I'm just telling you, I'm going to obey the spirit of God right now. We're going to keep you socially distant, but spiritually strong. If you're standing, I want you to come up to the front right now. I want you to spread out and scatter. Don't stand too close to anybody but your own family. Get out of your seat and come up to the front right now. Come up to the front. Get to the front of the room. If you're in the, in the overflow, if you want to go into the front there, we're going to pray for you in there. Or you can come in this room right now. Just come right now. Whatever you want to do, <clears throat> just come. Yeah, put your mask on. That's great be together with your family. Would you stretch your hands toward these folks right now? Lord, we bless every person that's responding to your word in this room or at home. We pray for the power of your spirit. every person that made that step today, whether in the room, the other side of the building, or in the home, we release God's power over you right now in the name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.